Greetings, precious humans. This is Laura. Welcome to another episode of Legendary Insights. Here we share information that can help you to live your best, most ingenious life. This is the third and final installment of my financial literacy series, and today I brought with me a couple of my best friends, George and Steve, who will share some basic tips on how to manage your money. But before we jump in, this show is not to be considered as a substitute for sound legal or financial advice because, of course, we are not trained professionals. Okay, let's go. Hello, gentlemen. Hello there. Hello. George, you are coming to us from the great state of... Colorado. And Steve, you are joining us from... Beautiful, rainy Minnesota. Oh, it's raining there, is it? It is. Well, it's 100 degrees here in the great American Southwest. I'm not sure if that's something to envy or not. It's not. Yeah. George, would you mind telling our audience a little bit about yourself? Certainly. I work for the state of Colorado. I'm an adaptive technology specialist, and I have had an interest in finance for many years. I used to work for the Internal Revenue Service as a collections representative, and then I have also served as a an advisor for clients with financial needs in the past. And the idea of how money is made and how it's spent is fascinating to me and something I've had an interest in for, uh, for many years. What about you, Steve? Well, I'm Steve Sawson. I'm a solutions architect. I, I've worked in the field of accessibility for many, many years. My interest in all things financial goes back, though, to when I was a teenager. I've always just been fascinated with the subject, and I've loved tracking the accessibility of financial information. And didn't you also dabble in day trading for a while? I did. I could write the book on on how not to do things, but I did back in the late 90s when day trading was was fun. Um, The neat thing to me, for me at the time, was that I could do this and I felt as a blind person that I was on a totally even and level playing field with everyone else. Day trading is when you purchase and sell and repurchase and sell again various stocks over the course of the same day. So you're not taking a long-term position. You're literally looking for small moves in the market and trying to capitalize on those uh, small moves. I, I probably broke about even, but it definitely fueled my interest and curiosity in in financial things. My interest today is in talking about some of the accessible tools we can use to help manage our money. So one of the first challenges is budgeting. It's a challenge for many people because it requires a tremendous amount of discipline. I think you're absolutely correct. And I would suggest that whether you have an income of $700 per month or $7,000 per month, a budget is still absolutely necessary because it allows you to tell your money where to go and what to do rather than your money telling you. And I think one other aspect about budgeting that's important is that it can be incredibly revelatory about where your money has been going. Maybe you don't realize how much you've been frittering away here or there. Indeed so. You know, that song says that hips don't lie and neither do numbers. And I remember when I started doing a zero-sum budget, the uh, horrifying nature of that revelation when I understood how much money I was actually spending on fast food, eating out, 
or on other ventures that simply I didn't think I was spending that much. I didn't realize, oh, you know, $10 here, $20 there. All of a sudden you're talking about real money over the course of a month. What are some of your top tips on establishing a budget? Do you have any special tools you use or any fail-safe tips on establishing a budget? How do you go about it? So the first thing that you do is you have to know how much money you have coming in. And that is your baseline. So whether you have $700 or $1,000 or $5,000, that is the amount of money that you have to spend over a given month. And then on your liability side, you have your general expenses that are the same every single month. Things like your rent, your utilities, your phone, your internet, etc. And you list all those out and you subtract those from your total. Then you can start tacking in additional categories. You can make it as granular as you wish. That is, you could simply put entertainment $150, or you could say $25 on books, $25 on Netflix, $25 on blah, blah, blah. But um, in the end, the idea is that the everything has a category, and at the end of the month, you have $0 as your baseline. So that, that idea of zero-sum budgeting, where every dollar has a name and every dollar has a place. For some of the people who may be listening to us right now, they may be thinking, I get such a limited amount of money every month. My income is pretty much used up by rent and food and utilities, and it's gone. I believe that the benefit of budgeting when you have a limited income is it gives you a legitimate picture of how you stand financially. And so even if someone has an extremely limited income, it's best to know, okay, I have an extra five or $10 at the end of each month, and that is not a pretty picture. But at least you know, I'm five, 10 bucks ahead, as opposed to doing the budget and realizing, oh my gosh, I'm losing, you know, 50, 75, 100 bucks every month, I've got to change some of my behavior in order to make sure that I can at least stay uh, in a sustainable mode. Yeah, it makes me think of that old joke, I've got too much month at the end of my money. Exactly. What tools do you recommend that people use to set up a budget? Well, it does not have to be spectacular. You can use, uh, open up a, a notepad TXT document on your computer and just write things out uh, with uh, the categories. If you want to become a bit more involved, you can use apps like Mint or Every Dollar. Uh, there are a variety of options out there. Some of them are accessible, some of them are not. Uh, I personally use Mint and I found that to be an excellent way of both keeping track of my daily expenditures as well as uh, keeping myself in line regarding those expenditures over the course of the month. There's really only two ways to improve your standard of living, I guess you would say, with respect to money. You either need to stop the outgo or enhance the income. Yes, I would agree with that idea. I think particularly when you have a limited income, it makes staying away from debt all the more important. But if you are in debt, that analysis and determination becomes even more important. Because if you have no debt, then you have a lot of options regarding, okay, can I uh, expand my income a little bit? Can I play good offense? Um, or uh, can I cut back a little bit on what I um, spend every month? 
So the idea of the, the offense and the defense, I'm a huge fan of football, go Broncos. And uh, I really appreciate that idea of, of the income being your offense and your expenditures being your defense. Besides getting a second job or increasing your hours or getting a different job and increasing your income, can you think of ways that people can cut their expenses and maybe give them a little breathing room? I can say that for myself, I've experienced um, eating out uh, versus eating in. And you can really get a long way on rice and beans and peanut butter and jelly. I mean, none of this stuff is going to uh, light your taste buds on fire necessarily. That's one of the unfortunate aspects of having limited income. But it is true that if you can really stick to a, I'm going to eat at home, maybe I eat out once a month and curve those expenditures, that's an excellent way. Um, Additionally, you might look at the subscription services that you're subscribed to. Do you really need Netflix and Hulu or will one or the other do? Uh, Do you need that Audible subscription when you have a BARD membership? Can you exercise patience and simply wait till it shows up on BARD instead? Things along those lines where uh, can you drop the amount of data that you're consuming on your phone bill? Uh, What are some other options that you might have regarding um, calling up your cable company and going, hey, uh, think about switching to your rival. Is there any way you can cut me a deal for the next year? And then the next year you call them back and go, hey, (laughs) think about switching to your rival. Uh, Things like this where you can try and cut down on your fixed expenses as much as possible when the rent, uh, when it comes time to re-sign your lease, go in person and talk to your property manager and say, hey, I am on it like white on rice, like a fat boy on cupcakes every month. I, I am your number one tenant. Uh, can you cut me a deal here? Because I'd really like to stay here. And if they say no, you don't you know, fly off the handle. But um, I found that usually that can work for knocking off, you know, 15, uh, 50, 25 bucks of rent. So uh, little things like that can really add up. I've actually had some pretty good luck with calling up my utility companies, whether that's my cable company or even my cell phone company, and saying, you know, look, um, things are kind of tight for me right now, or is there any way that I can better manage my usage, or do you have any deals going on right now, or can you help me to take advantage of a deal that you might only offer to a new customer? Don't call the regular customer service people. Call up customer retention, because that's a whole department dedicated to the idea of keeping you around and saying, look, there's some competition out there. I don't really need insert cable company or cell phone company. And See if they don't make you some sort of deal. Have you forgotten that you've been renting your modem and that by going to Target and buying a $29 modem, you're saving $7.99 every month? There is a sense of pride and accomplishment that comes from being able to purchase that and knowing that it is yours outright as opposed to being enslaved to the large telephone company for another two-year contract because you simply had to have the, the new iPhone now. Well, I'll tell you something. One of the best things I ever did for myself financially was to get out of debt. It took years. I had credit card debt and it took so much patience and so much discipline and so much sacrifice, but it was well worth it because I don't have any credit card debt at all. And I cannot tell you what a difference it can make in the stress level 
of your life to not have credit card debt hanging over your head. It's an awful place to be when you know you owe money. I would say that the uh, sun shines brighter and the grass is greener when you do not have that millstone of debt around your neck. I think even if you technically have the means to pay it off, but you're sitting there thinking, oh, I don't need to bother with it. It's okay. I can pay it off anytime I want. It still is in the back of your mind, sitting down with you at the table, getting up with you when you go outside. It's just everywhere. And it's a ongoing oppressive weight that just can impact all elements of your life. Having money problems shortens your life, I'm convinced. I want to bring Steve into the conversation. Can you tell us a little bit about your experiences with some of the accessible financial tools that you've used? I've got a couple, and they're free, which is always good. Um, There's three that I'll mention briefly. The first is an app if you're interested in the stock market or investing in stocks. Two of the major challenges that people have are that one, there's usually a minimum deposit that you have to put up and that's often more than what people have. And so people feel, geez, I can't really invest. I don't have that kind of money to open up a you know, brokerage account. And the second is that when you purchase uh, or sell stock, usually you pay a commission. And um, the commission fees are low, but low is a relative term, right? And if you're not selling that much to begin with, those commission fees can, can be a rather significant percentage. There's an app called Robinhood, and it's a great name for an app. It's free. There's no account opening minimum. It's very accessible, and it allows you to trade stock commission-free. There's uh, information about how they earn their actual money on their website. Uh, I think it's Robinhood.com. I really like Robinhood. It's free. Um, It's a great way to get involved in stocks if that's something you want to play with or invest in, I should say. Does it have any other features for saving money or budgeting or whatever if people are interested in using it for something in addition to investing? Robinhood does not. But the, the reason I wanted to mention it is it dispels this myth that I don't have enough to get involved. In terms of budgeting, um, going back to some of the stuff George was mentioning earlier, there's a great app called Mint. The main advantage that Mint offers is that it gives you a complete picture of your financial state on one screen or in one app. So if you have multiple uh, bank accounts and credit card accounts, or maybe you have a savings account, uh, or you have a partner and you're both saving or planning together, um, and you want to track each other's expenses and and uh, transactions, you can do all of that within one app. Um, Mint also allows you to set budgets for categories like George was talking about earlier. So, you know, how much do you spend on groceries? How much do you spend on your cable bill? How much do you spend on on other uh, things over the course of a month? You can set budgets for those things and Mint will tell you if you exceed those budgets. So it's a free app. It's, um, I believe, created by Intuit. Um, the folks that make Quicken and TurboTax and all the other financial products that are so popular. It's available in iOS, it's available for Android, and it's also available on the web at mint.com. Cool. You know, one of the other tips I wanted to pass on to our listeners with respect to budgeting and keeping track of your monthly expenses is to take advantage of the utility companies that offer a fixed budgeted monthly bill 
the electricity bill is one of those bills like the gas bill, for example, or the water bill that fluctuates every month. So it makes budgeting more difficult because of the lack of predictability. What they do is they take an average of what you spent on your utilities over the previous year and they'll create a monthly fixed amount that you pay. The advantage of that is instead of spending $45 in the wintertime and $300 in the summertime, I can have a fixed monthly amount that's predictable. George, you use the Mint app also, don't you? I do. On a daily basis, as a matter of fact, when I wake up in the morning, one of the first things I do is pull up Mint to uh, make sure that transactions from yesterday have gone through. It's an excellent way to just double check and make sure that I don't have any unknown transactions going through, and also just to make sure that everything is hitting my accounts in the way that I anticipate. Steve, you had recommended to me a long time ago an app for an online bank, and it was called Simple. Does that still exist? It does, and it's actually my primary bank. Uh, Simple is a bank that is online. They do have an iOS and an Android app. Um, They also, of course, have a website at simple.com. And what's nice about them is, as the name would suggest, they're very simple. They don't have a lot of fees. They don't have a lot of frills and extras. They don't do um, credit cards or loans or any of that stuff. They are a bank account, and you get a debit card, so you can you know use your debit card wherever you know Visa is accepted. Um, but the thing I like about Simple a lot is that you can create what they call goals, and the goal can be anything for which you want to set money aside, and you can decide to set that money aside right away or over time. So if I know that I want to go and take a trip next year, um, and I I want to have twelve hundred dollars for that trip. Um, and I, I'm going to take it in 12 months from now. I'm just doing that because the math is super simple, right? Um, I can program that in and simple will say, okay, well, then you need to transfer $100 a month or whatever 100 divided by 30 is per day into your goal to hit your $1,200 goal, right? So I don't have to think about that. It automatically does it. Now, the nice thing is this is just a goal. It's not a separate account or anything. So if I need that money for something um, or I don't have it there, um, nothing bad happens. Checks don't bounce and transactions don't not go through um, because it's not a separate account. But Simple will try to guide me toward meeting that goal and it'll warn me if I'm if I'm going off track. Yet it gives me the ability to pull that money back if I need it for something or there's some unexpected transaction. So I love the goals system. It's a it's a great way I use it to set money aside for things, kind of like an envelope, you know, like I'll mm-hmm. I'll decide I'm gonna have this much money set aside for credit card payments or whatever. And I just put the money into that goal so that I have it. Um, At the top of all of the screens on Simple is a safe to spend number. And the safe to spend number is whatever your account balance is, less all of the amounts in your goals. So it's it's really how much money you have left in your account is that safe to spend number. Um, Any pending pending transactions are taken into account and that's safe to spend. So as long as I don't spend more than that number, whatever that number is, um, I'm, I'm good. The app is fully accessible. Um, customer service is fantastic. You can reach them from within the app directly. They have like a chat system thing, or you can actually call them. Um, they are all us based and I've never waited more than like five minutes on hold. So, um, it's it's worked out just fantastic um, for me, and it's it's no fees, no fees for anything. So it's a great solution for folks that want to bank, 
Um, you can have direct deposits go into it. You can deposit paper checks into it. If you have cash that you need to, to deposit, there are a number of uh, ATMs that you can use to deposit cash into it. So it functions and works just like a bank account without all the bells and whistles and fees that most people just don't need. And these banks have the same uh, standards to meet uh, for regulation and insurance and all of the stuff that banks are required to meet. So being an online bank doesn't excuse them from opting out of the required insurances and such that uh, other brick and mortar commercial banks are required to maintain. So um, you have the same securities and guarantees that you would have from from commercial banks, at least with Simple. Well, I think that's important because in this day and age, as has been proven over and over and over again, any institution, no matter how large or small, can be hacked. So, you know, six of one, half a dozen of the other, as far as I'm concerned, as, as to whether or not our, our money is safe anywhere. That's another feature of Simple that I love is there's an option, and it's not buried, it's very easy to get to, where I can freeze my card. So if I lose my debit card, or maybe I forgot it at a store or whatever, I can freeze it temporarily. If it's truly lost, they can send me a new one. That's not a problem. But if I think I know where I left it, say I left it at the store, I'm going to go back. I just want to make sure nobody finds it before I get there. I can temporarily freeze my card it instantly will be disabled. And if I find it again, I can unfreeze it and uh, re-enable the card um, so that I can use it again. Or if I don't find it, then I, of course I can request a new one. So uh, I can I can have control and, and not panic about a lost card um, because I have the ability through my app to immediately shut it off. Wow, that's brilliant. All for that's free. peace of mind, yeah. Wow. I did want to ask if either of you have any any secret sauce that you might want to pass along to the audience as far as some of the, the best ways to manage money, no matter how little you may have. Money management, budgeting, investing, it's something everyone can do no matter how much income you have or don't have. And I think there's this stigma that investment, investing requires you know, a lot of money and a lot of extra income and all kinds of fees. And even if you are on an extremely tight budget and very low income, there are ways, you know, some of which we've mentioned and there's others as well, that you can be proactive about it, that you don't have to be driven by the income that you have or don't have or the budget that might be super tight, that you can, with some work, move into a very proactive position. It doesn't happen overnight, but you can move into a proactive position, pay down debt, start saving money, even if it's a tiny amount all the time, you know, um, whenever possible, that, that you can assert control over your finances, that your finances don't have to assert control over you. George, what do you think? I would suggest that perseverance is the key, regardless of whether you're investing or saving or simply living month to month. Sometimes it can feel like we're on Team Sisyphus, always pushing that boulder up the hill and it rolls down and we do it again. But I would encourage your listeners that in the end, incremental progress is still progress. There are ways that you can meet your investing and savings needs without being a financial 
guru. I have to say that that's certainly been my experience, both in the realm of physical health and in finances. I made incremental changes. I didn't go from uh, sitting around and eating 12 cheeseburgers a day to bamboo shoots and soy waste and uh, doing long bike rides overnight. It was very much an incremental progress. You don't make those drastic changes if you don't have to because I find that those are unsustainable. But if you can make it a part of your regular life where you only go out a couple times a month and you kind of have a a habit uh, in mind, Um, Initially, when you get started, it can be difficult, but if you take those small little bites, those small little steps, you can really make a world of difference a year, two years, five years down the road. Yeah, you don't have to be on the slowest internet speed forever, but if you need to save a few dollars a month, call up your internet provider and say, hey, can you take me from whatever the highest speed is that you're on, reduce me to the lowest speed that you have to offer, And if it reduces your bill by $5, if you do that for a few months, well, it's $5 that you didn't have before. In a few months, it'll be $25 or whatever it is. And, you know, if it starts to drive you insane, you can always go back to, you know, your your fast speed. But I guess the point I'm trying to make is that Nothing has to last forever, and the sacrifices don't have to be painful. And once you make those sacrifices, you can start to see the dividends coming out of that. Uh, Compound interest is a beautiful thing when it's working for you. And when you're out of debt and you're invested or you have that money saved, compound interest is your friend. As opposed to when you're in debt and you're spending more than you make, uh, compound interest is an enemy, and it is an evil enemy to have. And Steve, haven't you also dabbled a bit in Bitcoin? Well, I've been really fascinated lately with all of this cryptocurrency stuff, Bitcoin and Ethereum and all of these, this concept of a digital currency has just fascinated me since its inception. And so I I watch it and I'm trying to see where it's all headed. I don't know that anyone really knows where it's headed, but it's been fascinating to watch Bitcoin's recent meteoric rise. And then of course it's plummeted quite a bit and I just find it to be an interesting thing that over time we're likely to encounter more and more of. Do you believe that digital currency is the wave of the future? Do you think that's what all currency is going to be at some point? Wow. I don't know. I I think it has the potential. Um, the challenge will be that it's something that's very hard to regulate. And that's both a plus and a minus for it, that without regulation, there's not many consumer protections in place. Uh, on the other hand, it is free. And there's a lot of advantages to a currency uh, that is free and isn't regulated by any particular um, state or government, right? Yeah, it's a bit too volatile a game for me to play that's for sure it is a game and that's the thing in order for it to be really adopted it needs to not be a game anymore um you know people want their money to be worth tomorrow what it is today and with bitcoin uh, and some of these other cryptocurrencies it literally may be not worth what it is tomorrow uh, Mm. as it is today and and as such that's a heck of a game to play so i think for it to move from a fascination and a highly speculative investment vehicle or game to something that's actually useful that you would use to pay your rent and buy your toothpaste and all that stuff. It needs to be very, very stable. And we're just not there yet. I may as well just invite the audience to come over to Las Vegas and do a little gambling. Indeed. Because it's about the same as far as 
uh, sensible way to spend your money. <laughs> Throw it into a slot machine. But if you want to gamble without the heat, Bitcoin's your game or some of these other <laughs> cryptocurrencies. Guys, how can people reach you if they have questions? The best way would be to go to my blog, which is at steves.life. That's steves with an S, dot life. Uh, and there's a contact page there, which has my email address, Twitter, and all of the other stuff. If you are on Twitter, I am at A11Y for all, at A11YFORALL, or email is Steve at, and then my last name, S like Sam, A W. C is in Charles, Z is in Zebra, Y like Yellow, and like November.com. And fortunately, all of those more complicated contact methods are available on the contact page on steves.life. Steves.life. That's pretty clever. I love it. I was so excited mm. to be able to get that. George, what about you? I feel it important to note that um, I am not licensed financially, and so uh, any advice that I have to give would be with that understanding. However, I am happy to assist in any way that I can. If you're interested, I'm happy to have a discussion with you. My Twitter handle is at blindpaladin, B-L-I-N-D-P-A-L-A-D-I-N. Uh, -I -I I'm also available on Facebook at George McDermott, C-D-E-R-M-I-T-H, or I can be reached by email at george.mcdermoth at gmail.com. Thanks, guys. Okay, that wraps it up. So, until next time, live your ingenious life.